Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Prepare to gag, yeah. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Radio Gag. Radio Gag is your weekly update on how to end the horror that is the American gun violence epidemic. I'm your host, Ty Kersley. And I'm Libby Edwards. This week, Auto Sears, the return of the machine gun. We are reporting from Kim Lau Square in New York City, where Gays Against Guns held a rally for the victims of the Monterey Park shooting. We will hear remarks from G.W. Walker and Sunny Moon. Today is the first of a two-part series on the unregulated tactical accessories that are making guns more lethal. Handguns and ARs have now become more deadly than ever thanks to the Autoseer, which will convert a conventional semi-automatic weapon into a fully automatic one for only $20. But first, the In Memoriam. Beloved Ellen DeGeneres show sidekick, and so you think you can dance star, Stephen Twitch Boss died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound at an El Sino, California motel, leaving his wife Allison and three children behind. The contents of a note he left alluded to past challenges he faced. He was 40 years old. The seemingly jubilant performer's unexpected death took both fans and entertainment figures aback. Ellen DeGeneres and dozens of fellow colleagues and fans took to social media to mourn him and send condolences to his family. It's heartbreaking to hear that someone who brought so much joy to a room was hurting so much behind closed doors, singer and actor Justin Timberlake tweeted. I've known Twitch for over 20 years. He always lit everything up. You just never know what someone is going through behind closed doors. Fellow dancer Jenna Dewan, who co-starred in the Step Up franchise with Boss and her ex-husband Channing Tatum, also paid tribute to the late star. Twitch was the kindest, warmest, sweetest soul I had met in the business. He lifted everyone up around him. He made a point to check in on me and my family because that was who he was, a truly good soul who cared deeply about others. He was a source of inspiration to not only the dance community, but to the world at large. If you know someone who struggles with depression or has suicidal thoughts, please call 988 the 24-hour National Suicide Prevention Hotline. What do we want? Gun control! When do we want it? Now! What do we want? Gun control! When do we want it? We're here again. We've had another mass shooting. 11 people are dead. Nine more injured. The gunman has killed himself. And it doesn't seem like it's ever going to end. And so, what Gays Against Guns does is what we always do when there's a large mass shooting is we get out into the streets. And we get out into the streets because we want to give our community here in New York a voice, a place to know that they can come to deal with this horror that our nation deals with on a daily basis. We have more mass shootings in this country each year than we have days in each year. We have more guns in this country than we have people in this country. This gun violence has got to end. And so we stand with the community 
of Monterey Park, California, and with our Asian American communities all over this country, and for all Americans all over this country who are living under threat of gun violence every single day because we have an ineffectual political leadership who cannot seem to get anything done to protect American lives. We have seen this nonstop for decades. We finally got one piece of legislation enacted last year after 30 years of trying, and that isn't enough. It falls far too short. We still need an assault weapons ban. We still need mandatory federal background check. We still need intervention for people having mental health issues who are at risk of harming themselves or others. We have so much that is needed and so much that has not yet been done. I'm J.W. Walker from Gays Against Guns. I'd like to introduce one of the most wonderful gun violence prevention activists that I know, a partner Gays Against Guns and a representative of Moms Demand Action, Dr. Sun I am here because I refuse to get numb and that's why many of us are here because we refuse to get numb. I want to speak up about something that I've seen especially online as an Asian American. When the shooting first happened a lot of people were concerned that it was a hate crime and then later when the shooter was identified to be a fellow Asian American people acted like oh this is see how they politicize it? I thought that that was the most disgusting take. Do you know why me and so many people felt like it was potentially a hate crime and that's the first thing that came to our mind? It's because of the collective trauma and PTSD that we live with by being citizens or residents of this country where there's gun violence on a regular basis and so much hatred. That wasn't us politicizing anything. That was us out of fear, out of history, and of our collective trauma of the gun violence and the hate that we live with. Every vulnerable group feels like that when something like this happens and they don't know the exact cause. Because anybody with hate, anybody who hates somebody else, anybody who, for whatever reason, has unfettered access to guns in this country. So that's the first thing I want to talk about. And all those people are like, oh, see, it wasn't a hate crime? Not a single word about these victims. For these victims and their families, it doesn't matter why this horrible incident happened. They lost their loved ones. And I also want to speak because as a Korean American, it is so painful for me to have seen this happen again. I, 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 my parents moved back to Korea. And so I called my dad for the Lunar New Year. And when I heard about the shooting, all I could think about was my dad. Because as it's turning out, many of these people were elderly or older people enjoying their life. These were people living their best lives. They were at a ballroom dancing event, people in their 60s. Like, how beautiful is that? And then they were murdered. People will do anything not to feel empathy. That's what somebody else just pointed out to me. And it's true. These are human beings who are living their best lives. And now, as a Korean American, you know, I always, it, you know, sometimes it, there's conflict, but I always try to figure out how to be the best Korean American. The worst part of my American part is gun violence. 
and that every major event in my lifeline or my timeline is now associated with a mass shooting or a horrible gun event. Now, when I think about Lunar New Year and the future in this country, I also have to remember that we have to think about these poor 11 victims, their families, and the other nine people who are still in the hospital. That's shameful. And it doesn't matter why the shooting happened. The issue is that anybody can get a gun in this country, whether it's domestic violence. As a woman, I'm more than close to 30 times more likely to be killed by guns just by being an American. Guns are the number one killer of children in this country. How shameful is that? It is preventable. We're the only country in the world that's as developed that is that has refused to deal with gun violence. It's preventable, it's a public health issue, and I refuse to become numb. Every time something like this happens, pay attention. Also, vote like your life depends on it. Pay attention when there's referendums because refusing to give up is the only way that we're gonna survive because we cannot let the pro-death party win. You're listening to Radio Gag, the Gays Against Gun Show, here on listener-sponsored commercial-free radio, WBAI. We are here every Tuesday at 2.30, bringing you the latest in gun violence prevention movement news. If you miss a show, you can listen to our previous shows at any time on the WBAI website or on any major podcast platform. It is my pleasure to introduce to you today our guest, Alan Stevens, the West Coast Correspondent for the Trace.org. A military veteran and gun owner, he has authored many investigative articles for iNewsSource and the Texas Standard, where many of his investigations led to important public safety, civil rights, and criminal justice reforms. Welcome to Radio Gag, Alan. I'd like to start by uh, explaining the history and the function of the drop-in autosear and why it's proliferating in the world of gun ownership. Yeah, so the autosear is actually a device that has been around since the 1970s. So let's get a little bit back um, into just uh, automatic weapons in America. So. Um, so since the the public enemy era, since the 1930s, um, the United States has actually had a, a bevy of, of gun control legislation uh, regarding sawed-off shotguns, uh, short barrel rifles, automatic weapons, and suppressors. And so under that, um, right, automatic weapons have long been a, a, a rarity, right? Uh, if you want to legally possess one in this country, you have to go through a boatload of paperwork and, and, and register one with the federal government. But in the 1970s, people figured out how to take semi-automatic weapons, right? The ones that are most commonly available to the American market without regulation. And uh, they created these devices that you could modify them to fire automatically, right? So you pull the trigger down and it will fire up to 600, uh, all the way up to 1200 rounds per minute. So, you know, a machine gun. And so uh, these devices uh, themselves, even without being attached onto the gun, um, without being registered to the federal government, uh, are considered a machine gun. Right. And, uh, and if you possess one, right, uh, you could get up to a 10 year sentence. But for the most part, since the 1970s and 80s and 90s, they've really been relegated to kind of these niche gun 
smuggler and kind of uh, uh, gun crafting scenes, right? Because they're still very difficult to manufacture, difficult to install. You need a lot of knowledge about the gun to, to put one in. All of this changed, right, with just the internet and how the internet has kind of created this viral market for do-it-yourself weapons, right? And so um, more people now are sharing things like CAD files and also, and CAD files are like 3D printing, you know, files. Uh, and also more people are simply, right, uh, getting the technology to make these at home. So back then you would need, you know, handheld metal making tools. Nowadays, things like CNC machines and 3D printers are a lot more cheaper, a lot more affordable. And because of that, it has kind of created this new digital revolution among arms traffickers where people are saying, hey, we can go ahead and make our own automatic weapons. And we're seeing those kind of explode in the, uh, you know, the gun violence scene. So would you say that the people who are printing and using these auto sears are basically bad actors? Right, right. So these things are, you know, explicitly illegal and have long been illegal um, under federal law. And in fact, a great deal of states also have state laws on the books, too, that regulate and, and ban, you know, automatic weapons. The problem with these, though, is that... Um, well, a couple of things. One is that these devices look, you know, very benign to the ordinary eye. They, they're usually plastic or metal. They're, they're about the size of a thimble. Um, they don't look particularly dangerous. And if you don't know what you're looking for, it's very easy for police officers, adults, parents, even people who are very experienced with firearms to just overlook one of these devices. They look like Legos. From Yeah, they I look like seen. Legos. Yeah. And, and because of that, right, when I first started investigating this, a lot of these things are being sold on, you know, the near open market, right? So for instance, the first huge wave that we saw was coming in from China. And they were selling these on online platforms, right? You could buy one with, with PayPal and they would just ship them in envelopes. And, you know, I spoke to Homeland Security agents and stuff and these little small devices, right? They could send, you know, a handful of them in an envelope or, or you know, even pallets worth, right? And people, if you didn't know what you're looking for, you wouldn't recognize them. And so, so like of these devices, uh, yeah, I got a customs in. officer wouldn't know what they were if they came right. in box right and so a great deal of this investigation that i did was almost just talking to law enforcement and law enforcement was actually very receptive to this story when i was doing this investigation for this very reason usually they're very secretive about this stuff but they were just like even when, among our own ranks of law enforcement this is kind of like the secret thing that a lot of people are missing and not paying attention to and so a lot of these devices, right, have kind of um, just been openly mailed and openly been sold on things like Instagram and social media. Um, and even kids have gotten a hold of them, you know, teenagers and stuff like that, because, you know, you can buy them for as low as $20 a pop for the device. And it only takes a couple hours to install it onto, you know, a handgun, which is, is probably the most popular way for them to, to put it on. Right. And and I was noticing when I was doing some of my reading about the subject that you can go online and buy an auto sear. Uh, but I assume when you do that, you're buying a, a legitimate gun part that isn't making it into something else. That's what you would assume. But yes, if you, if you see those auto sears online, right, um, that right there could very well be 
uh, an illegal machine gun. And so, and, oh, really? and so when, yeah, so when I was doing the Vice uh, a story, which you can um, see on vice.com, um, you know, we bring up as investigative reporters in real time online, we shop for one and you can bring them up very easily. And part of that is because, right, if law enforcement is struggling with this, the curators of places like Facebook and online marketplaces, they're really struggling with this. And so this is what creates this kind of um, this kind of black market that's almost open because you could be a kid, you could be a teenager, you could be someone into this. And again, um, search for one of these, buy one of them, and people around you would just not know. It seems all legitimate and legal. And that's because law enforcement uh, is really trying to play catch up on shutting some of these websites down. How do they find these things uh, online to print on the 3D printers? Is it on the dark web or? So the two most popular auto sears that are out there right now are consequently for the two most popular weapons uh, that are possessed in the United States, right? So the first one is the AR-15 rifle. And that has been again like i said these been around for the 1970s so the know-how and design philosophy um is out there the, the what happened though was simply the spread right you know 3d printing technology and kind of the open source internet has allowed people to dump out you know manufacturing files to 3d print these they've been able to go on online forums and even on youtube discussing how to install these once you get the devices. And so that has really kind of laid the groundwork for a lot of people who had never, you know, ever been in kind of the online gunsmithing or gun crafting world to suddenly have, right, this very um, accurate and intensive instructions that help, you know, them build these machine guns. Uh, the other gun, though, that is very popular and probably overwhelmingly taking over the uh, illegal automatic conversion seen essentially is the Glock handgun. And the reason why is because, well, right. yeah, the Glock handgun is the number one selling weapon in the United States. Um, for people who don't know, handguns still overwhelmingly dominate the, you know, the guns that are recovered in, in crimes because of their concealability, their ease of use. But also the Glock um, has a couple of factors that make it just very susceptible to conversion. One of them is the fact that the device internally inside the Glock that regulates the semi-automatic function can easily be overridden. It's like a technological gap in it. And so the auto sear for the Glock essentially installs on the back in a matter of minutes. And uh, this is, is highly problematic for a variety of reasons. Um, one, the auto sear for the Glock fires up to 1200 rounds per minute. And so, for people who don't know, right, that's like 60 rounds a second. It sounds like tearing paper. It's a very, very quick. So it's a lot of bullets, uh, even for an automatic weapon. The, the other thing is there's a lot of accessories for the Glock, right? So extended capacity magazines, right, um, right uh, optics and scopes and stuff like that. I was curious. You wrote a couple of years ago, I believe, an article on... Um... It was a um, domestic terrorism group. Yes, I have to bring it up here. Um, the base you're talking and about. They, the base. they were talking about you know yes. when white supremacy would start happening, blah blah blah. And I'm just curious, how widespread do you think 
all of these illegal arms are in groups like that? And is this going to be something that <laughs> we need to fear in the future? Yeah, and, and you know, and one of the things I want to highlight in my reporting is people constantly kind of ask me, they say, you know, what types of people gravitate towards arms trafficking and, and smuggling? And, and I always kind of say it's really everyone, right? Um, I had a I had an ATF agent come to me and say, you know, every person who is a criminal actor who wants to carry a gun is is probably going to want to carry a machine gun, right? It's it's always been known as the ultimate in firepower among criminal elements, all the way back, like I said, to when the the laws were originally created, right? That, you know, we all know about, you know, the, the public enemy gangsters like John Dillinger and stuff carrying around the Tommy gun. But there is one particular kind of pattern that I did see emerge when it comes to automatic weapon trafficking, and that is extremists. First of all, extremists, right, when it comes to the types of crimes that they commit, they have a tendency to gravitate towards gun crimes more often than not. You know, they do involve themselves with minor drugs and minor domestic violence, you know, cases. But when it comes to just the bulk of the criminal activity in which they actually get caught for, it typically involves weapons. But two, they have a tendency to gravitate towards weaponry because it's part of their philosophy and mantra. Um, when we talk about extremists, whether we're talking about white supremacist extremists, uh, male supremacist extremists, so these are like incel shooters, um, when we talk about simply anti-government extremists, right, ones who aren't necessarily exactly. motivated by um, race or creed, but simply they are against the government, um, they have two things that are very much in alignment with them, and one of them is, one, they want the firepower that will match or exceed the government, which is their enemy. So they need automatic weapons and powerful weapons to go toe to toe with what they see is the military or police. Right. And then two, uh, they want to make sure that they get those outside the purview of the government, because that is kind of their their number one enemy. So they have a, a kind of modus operandi to consistently go after automatic weapons. And when you look at automatic weapon cases, uh, they're, they've always kind of had a, a track record of trying to acquire these weapons. And so now that these weapons have been made easier to acquire, it's no surprise that they have definitely flowed down this path uh, probably more often, or at least with a certain tick or pattern compared to other sorts of criminal actors. Well, I, you are certainly at the forefront. I was so impressed with all of your writing and your co-authored articles uh, is the trace where we go to or to read your work yeah if you're interested in um getting you know gun research gun violence policy and particularly um just sharing this type of information one of the things that i tell about the trace is that you know we have a lot of the stakeholders right uh, we have the ears of a lot of the Congress people and people in the Second Amendment community and the people in the gun control community. The thing, though, is, is that a lot of Americans are still having the conversation about guns and they don't know about things like the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives. They don't know about all the gun laws. They don't know about all these devices. And this, I think, is very important to educate voters and people who are interested in, you know, the day to day gun violence. I always remind people that gun violence is more than mass shootings. You and I are more likely to be killed with a handgun and what we consider day-to-day -day right. violence 
And that is the type of violence that also needs advocacy too. It needs people reporting on it too. And it needs, you know, we need to remind ourselves that 111 people die from guns every day. Um, they, they're important too, right? And they need, you know, reporting and they need coverage as well because those lives matter. Those are American lives. And so, you know, I encourage anyone who cares about that to read the trace.org. Well, thank you. We will definitely encourage people to do that. And I have just subscribed to it. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of your work. And I thank you so much for your time. I am just pleased, very pleased that you made time in your busy schedule to talk to Radio Gag. And we very much appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on at any time. Great. To find out more about working with us, please go to gazeagainstguns.net or follow us at Gaze Against Guns NY on Facebook and Instagram or Gag No Guns on Twitter. Also, visit our Human Beings Facebook page for a more personal look at gun violence victims and their stories. This is where we will honor victims of the Monterey Park and Half Moon Bay shootings. Also, be sure to check out our website to learn more about actions. Sign up for info about meetings and actions at gagsignup at gmail.com. Remember, all are welcome to come to gag meetings. Well, it is time to end our show. Don't forget, you can listen to our previous shows anytime on the WBAI website or on any major podcast platform. Thank you and have a great and safe day.